By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Today's film is To All the Boys I've Loved Before, um, and the reason I was feeling a little bit down, we'd, we'd been doing a lot of movies, uh, a lot of dark, prestige, really serious movies lately, and, um, the, you know, the times were dark. Uh, it, was, it was a pretty um, tense period, I mean, it's still a tense period in our, in our own history, and I was just... I just needed something nice and something easy and light. And so I assigned a young adult novel turned Netflix rom-com teen romance wonderfulness. Um, so uh, one of the interesting perspectives on this call is we have Brie Garcia there who um, chimes in whenever we do a YA novel because she works in publishing and uh, always brings a really interesting perspective um, when it comes to adaptation. Uh, but it was just a delightful time talking about this movie. I really like this movie a lot. It's um, all the things I said earlier, like light and fun and just refreshing and, and um, makes your heart feel a little bit happier. But it's also, um, it's full of surprises. I think it elevates its genre, which is admittedly, a, a you know, not the, the deepest of genres. Uh, but it really elevates it, and it, it tackles things with really um, a lot of intelligence and a lot of heart. Uh, and it's really, I think all the performances are great. Lana Condor is fantastic in the leading role. Noah Centineo, who was the king of 2018, is extremely captivating as Peter. Um, there's just a lot of really great... Um, oh, and John Corbett's in this film. I love John Corbett. I would follow John Corbett anywhere. Um and I have too many lovely, he's one of those people who picks like feel good, happy roles really consistently. Um, and I think that's awesome. And he's done so many things that make my heart happy. But um, yeah, you should watch this movie. It's a great movie. Um, it's uh, complex and emotional and interesting. And they deal with things in a really mature way that really reflect how actual human beings act. Um, within the the tropes of the genre, which can sometimes be pretty goofy. So it's lovely. It's just a, it almost, it almost feels like a throwback in its sentimentality. Um, our, our world doesn't have a lot of earnestness anymore. But yeah, I just think I might actually go buy Jenny Han's novel from 2014 and watch and read that because I like this movie so much. 
I also like the sequel. We'll probably get to the sequel at some point. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoyed To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So wonderful. Go watch it. Then listen to us. Who wants to yes. go first? <laughs> <laughs> Steve's like, enthusiastic, hell yes. <laughs> Start oh. us off, Steve. Oh, am I starting off? Yes. Um, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I expected no less from you. <laughs> I, 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 why I let Steve go first. I, I, I generally liked, I generally enjoyed it. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't think it's a great movie. Um, the, I, I wanted it to be something else with the, uh, you know, the synopsis of just all of her letters going out and uh, all, all the, like I wanted all five boy, like all five of her uh, loves to kind of come out and be like, we all like you. <laughs> Why would you want Wait, that? Wait, like Mamma Mia? Well, because that would be very, that, that would be crazy. That would be crazier. And I kind of wanted that sort of uh, scenario where she has to like deal with all these different guys coming at her and dealing but with it. But we only, but then absolutely but then, no relationship to reality in any way. But that's the fun. You I know me. Agree. That sounds like if you put it in Greece and you set it to some ABBA, <laughs> you got Mamma Mia. So maybe you've watched the wrong film. Yeah, there's also a sequel where another one of the guys shows up. So there's five in total. There's yeah. the two from this movie. Mm-hmm. There's the one who's gay. Yeah. There's um, the one played by Jordan Fisher in the sequel. And then I don't remember who the other one is. But in this movie, he's irrelevant. nothing really happens with that synopsis that much. It's only the one guy... And sort of Josh as well. Well, but I think I think it's because it's like, not the syn- synopsis; it's the premise. Yeah, sorry, the premise. That's what I mean. <laughs> um, that that is what I meant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I really don't. I'm completely not interested in the idea of like, ooh, and now all the boys love her. Let's see what happens next. Well, like, I just wanted more of all of the boys instead of just the one that we got. Like, really, like no, because then Josh. you don't have a story. Then you have some sort of weird anthology, maybe. <laughs> but like the story is about these two particular guys who it's has consequences. Because realistically, you send out five letters and like some of them aren't going to matter at all. Yeah. And maybe one, maybe two are going to be a thing. And that's like, if we didn't, if we invested in five stories, we wouldn't be invested in any stories. Right. This is it possible you just didn't be... care about this particular story and that's no. why you wanted other stories? No, because it seemed like ev- this is an everyday rom romantic sort of comedy um, that I see every day. Like this is this is the same cliches over and over. So I wanted something different. Okay, it's Nicole's turn. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, shut down. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, so I am obviously because... This is one of the reasons that she always goes with me after you. Uh, I am obviously in the I love rom-coms, don't come at me, pure happiness uh, side of it, where I actually liked that it was slightly different. I liked that, I mean, yeah, you see the the common cliches of a teenage rom-com because that's what you're, you know that's what you're getting when you're signing up for this movie. Um but I liked that we don't see the the break off of the other two guys 
We only see what's in front of our faces because it's very clearly the important story that needs to be told. Um, there were aspects that I found problematic, even, you know, even though generally speaking, it's a very happy thing. It's always kind of misguided of two children to decide that they are going to fake relationship. Fake dating um, is the best. I cut into that and that's all I have to say about it. But <laughs> fake dating is the best trick. There sounds Thank like there's a story Whoa, 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 whoa. is what the movie's you, about. You it's have a, a fake, fake dating, dating story, Brie? Please. Oh, God, yeah. no. I'm saying like the trope of fake dating um, uh, within like the rom-com genre. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I'm about to like, spill my life here. With this story and then I not wanted it. Goodness, no. But like, and I, you have one. <laughs> Well, if I did, it'd be it'd be too big for this podcast. Too, <gasps> too traumatic. <laughs> anyway, but like the fake dating trope for me, at least, is always the thing that's like, are they in high school? Is that weird? Whatever. They're fake dating. That's fine. Right. It allows you to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Because mm-hmm. you're like, all right, I was dumb at that age. Cool. <laughs> oh, this is, this is definitely something like 16-year-old Nicole would have done. I mean, I have absolutely no problem with the premise of the movie just because like especially the context in which this movie was released like it's a netflix movie it's part of this sort of subgenre of rom-coms that like are sort of tv movies they're not really like full cinematic things you know this is not in the same realm as when we discussed you've got mail or my best friend's wedding those were like massive studio releases that era of the rom-com is kind of gone not kind of gone completely gone um and nor is this sort of like a prestige indie gem kind of thing this is like a mass market netflix release thing and it exists within you know there was um the setup happened before this like that was the genre we were working in and so some of the like it's a little bit silly and some of the tropes are dumb and like the the genre of not just rom-com when i say genre i don't mean rom-com because there are so many brilliant rom-coms but like the sub genre of this particular type of rom-com has a bunch of limitations and i would in my opinion this is the best film i've ever seen in that subtype of rom-com um it's definitely the best of the netflix rom netflix rom-coms and i think that they do a lot of interesting things playing around within the tropes of the setup do i think that fake dating is a thing that like isn't at all reasonable plot because like actual human i disagree nicole i don't think actual humans would do it no matter how silly they are as teenagers like it just doesn't quite you know it's a it's a sort of high high conceit that we then are but it's not the point really the point is all of the little intricacies within it the slightly different takes on the characters we got a good sister story we've got a complex male female friendship which i always appreciate um especially one that's really messy um because they do tend to be messier than movies like to pretend they are um like it's very casually a multiracial cast like it's not like a huge deal like that's not part of the plot but it just is casually an inclusive plot i like the like jock character who has a lot more happening than the classic sort of golden boy jock character i don't know i just i think it breaks down the archetypes of 
school really well. I think the the rivalry with the other girl um, makes a lot of sense to me. The way that like they developed over, they used to be best friends, and now they're no longer friends. And there's no there's no real understanding of why. I just think that within the limitations of what they were making, they made it really really well. Right. I think it's fascinating when you mention that it's like the highest level of like this Netflix movie genre only because it was like a YA, it's a YA book series. Yeah. Um, and so I know at least um, there's a bunch of movies that have actually gone from like YA book series to like movie. And like the last one I really remember that went to like big budget movie was The Sun is Also a Star and Warner Brothers did it. And a lot of people kind of pointed out one reason the movie didn't do as well is because like all those like cutesy tropes and where it's like, you can tell this was written because sometimes the dialogue feels like it would it came from the page and not really exactly from like a actual person speaking it. Um, like you can find a million movies like that on Netflix. And like, if you want something cheesy to just throw on, like you have Netflix, you're not going to spend $15 to <laughs> go to a movie theater. Remember when we used to do that? Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, so it like became it. So it has like all these like very tropey things. So in that instance, I'm always like, I give it kind of more of a pass. Um, but I guess overall, I kind of agree with you, Steve. When I first watched it, when it first came out, I'm like, only I agree in that, like, it was good. It's cute. I throw That's it on. That's not what he said, though, to clarify. Okay, I, when I he first that. said, he uh, first to agree with no, Steve. No, no, no. Uh, I'm agreeing with the very first sentence he said. He said it was good, and that's it. That's all I agree with him. Um, <laughs> there you go. But then I, like, <laughs> like, I'll put it on kind of his background, and I think the aesthetic of the movie it's very almost like instagrammy shot like you could take like a shot from it and like crop it and it would look great um and i know and kelly you mentioned just kind of like the casual like like the sheer fact that her dad who is white is trying so hard to like keep her mother's traditions alive and like obviously that's something that carried over from the book but like it's very comforting to see though i will say the one thing that apparently pissed my friend the fuck off pardon my language is when um Margo, I think, jumps on Laura Jean's bed in shoes and was like, no. She puts her feet under the covers. Like, <laughs> ew. No. Uh, and she was like, out of all the things, like the little things that would piss you off, like that that was already disgusting. And then, yeah, she like puts her, Mm-mm. But overall, it's, a, it's one of those movies that like I throw on just as like, I need something in the background. But one thing I do find fascinating also and then I will shut up, is the Peter Kaminsky character played by Noah Centineto, um, where he became, like, the it boy and then was in, like, every Netflix teen-ish movie. And then every Netflix teen-ish movie was just awful. But, like, everyone <laughs> watched it because they're like, oh, he was in Who All the Boys, so that was cute. So I'll watch Sierra Burgess. And it's like, oh, this is, like, Tell the Boys wasn't great, but Sierra Burgess was, like, oof like not only bad but like awkwardly bad but then he just kept booking movies and I'm not sure if it's like he kept booking them because he was still popular or like they realized they found like a huge name and then or someone that they could like attach a star to and just like made a billion movies and if I never see his face again that'd be too soon but I'm just saying in a bad movie like if he comes back in a good movie then I guess I I don't mind but like okay so you're just like worn out of his face it's not that you dislike him it's that he's been in so many bad things he's been in bad things and yeah it's just like I'm tired of seeing you be in something good and then maybe you can come back into my good graces Noah but like have you read the book Brie 
Yes, I actually watched the movie and then I read the book. It- okay, so what are some of the major differences? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't say, mean to make I, it a book report. <laughs> um, I will say in that, like, I remember I watched it and then I read it pretty soon after and I was pretty amazed at how it's pretty, like, on par. Like, there aren't very major changes throughout it and I know the author was pretty heavily involved with the production um and a lot of people who like love the series love this movie because like it feels just kind of like bringing the text to life kind of way like is it the best written ya i won't say yes or no because i still get paid um even if it's not my house but like did is it like kind of exactly what you think of like a young ya trophy book yes and so i think the movie kind of perfectly portrayed that and it's good yeah yeah i think they they aimed and they completely hit everything they aimed for they -hmm. weren't aiming super high though so but that's i don't know i think we should grade people on where on hitting their target not a fictional target we invent susan you haven't said a lot what do you have to say (laughs) i haven't so i (laughs) don't usually watch uh romantic comedies because i have really 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 strong empathetic embarrassment so Mm. i have to leave the room sometimes (laughs) uh but i so having said that i didn't know a lot of the tropes like i recognized them as tropes when they appeared but i thought it was delightful i thought it was delightful other than the parts that i had to leave the room for so good um i thought the younger the like precocious younger sibling was of her great i loved her girl power shirt with the lightning bolt in the eye of girl power uh, so good <laughs> um i thought uh dad dad was great John like an Corbett. interesting I, love yeah, him. I know like an interesting and complicated single father like trying to pull it together clearly leaning too hard on the elder daughter which we didn't get to see a lot of, but it was, there was evidence that that was going on and that she, her leaving was going to be a catastrophe for him. And it sort of, I, th- I thought it might go a little bit more in that direction, but it, was, I guess it wasn't that kind of movie, I guess. But um, yeah, no, really lovely. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. I love that Tom Corbett. Yeah, I love that Tom Corbett was like a happy, more supportive Dr. Stratford, Stratford from uh, 10 Things. Like, oh, hey, oh yeah like, oh, I like, love him he's what would happen if like the dad gyno was like not insane <laughs> he's overprotective oh, that's a good movie what, um, he's just overprotective it, yeah. Yeah, call it that and he's <laughs> based on Shakespeare so it's fine oh I know <laughs> um, but I was like I liked seeing the hey I'm not gonna terrify you by making you wear the belly I'm just gonna give you a shitload of condoms because it's a yeah, good well, way to keep teens from having sex because yes. they're so embarrassed and it reminds them. Yeah, like, well, yes. and also it is a more progressive and twenty years later kind of take on it, right? Um, it's oh, God, uh, it's been twenty years. Yeah, yeah, don't say that out loud, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> John Corbett has is on the record saying that like he actively seeks out roles that are happy and happy, not just movies, but like properties that he wants people to feel good. And that's one of those things that like as an actor um, and even just like as a critic also, we tend to really laud really serious, um, often difficult things to watch, things that don't, you know, the less happiness it brings you, the more intellectually stimulating it must be. And I completely disagree with that. And I think that there is so much value in things that are just meant to make you happy 
And this movie is certainly one of those things that's just like, it's a lovely thing. I think it is more complexly drawn than it needed to be in order to achieve its goals. Um, but it's just, it's such a nice, it just makes me happy. I don't know. It's a nice thing. I'm trying to create balance. We're doing The Godfather next. Okay, Vargo. <laughs> Also, <laughs> didn't give me nightmares. The, God, the, the Godfather. Also, want want to me calling him Tom instead of John. I am going to a special circle of hell. Oh, you're fine. I'm sure he wouldn't <laughs> mind. He's the nicest man in the world. He it's really okay. is. That's why I'm going to a special circle of hell. And he's like six foot four. He's just he's a wonderful person. I just love him. Yes, I've decided <laughs> that being six foot more makes you a wonderful person. It's fine. That's an interesting bar. <laughs> uh, Has anyone seen kind of the funny. sequel? I, I have. Seen the but I will after this. The first one's better. <laughs> the first one's definitely better, but I love that Jordan Fisher. Oh, I agree. Mm, I love that Jordan Fisher. <laughs> um, he first broke out in Grease Live as duty. <laughs> he was amazing. And then he was oh, in Hamilton. Man, and then he, was, he won Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> Wait, people get on Dancing with the Stars without being a star? Uh, so Dancing with the Stars has like oh. two, two groups essentially <laughs> former stars and sort of rising stars because they can't get big current stars so they had like Zendaya before she was Zendaya but after she was on the Disney Channel mm-hmm. um, and oh. so Jordan Fisher fell into that category he was like on a Disney Channel show and he'd been in Grease Live and he'd been in Hamilton but he wasn't yet I mean still not quite you know big deal but so he did Dancing with the Stars and he also if you're someone like that who like can win really easily without trying very hard, <laughs> might as well just go casually win Dancing with the Stars for fun. Uh-huh. Why not? And then you have people like Charo. Charo, that was yeah. brutal. That, that was, was not. Really, really that was hard. bad news. That was really hard. <laughs> then there's like political people that are sometimes on that show. Sean Spice. That's really embarrassing. Uh, but they also there's like a there's a lot of politics involved or like. Oh yeah. The business of like they're always Republicans who do those because they're trying to get like middle America to, like watches a lot of Dancing with the Stars, but a lot of the stars are super left leaning, obviously. And so they the spicy get, comes on and starts to <laughs> Yeah. They had Rick Perry. They had um who was that old speaker of the house who did it? You know, they have it's, oh, I never, Bristol Palin made it really, really far and then came back for All Stars. So. Yeah, I remember that. But Democratic politicians are like serious people who are genuinely trying to help the world, and so they just don't do it. Yeah. I mean, this is an apolitical show, everybody. Totally <laughs> apolitical. <laughs> but yeah, the first one's better. It Thanks. is. It is. This is true. Well, at least I can manage my expectations that way because I, I had some definite plans to watch that this evening. After. Oh, definitely watch it. Definitely watch it. Um, it's delightful and it, it addresses a little bit of Steve's ridiculous criticism of, <laughs> I wanted more from the other boys, which is insane. Because um, that premise. lacks focus and you wouldn't have from passed Screenwriting 101. However, <laughs> you can make that does, premise work. Um, Brie, are there more than two? In this, you keep calling um, There's two. three. Um, there's one. Another one of the. Uh, is the second one P.S. I Love You? Yeah. Um, okay, then the third one is like. Uh, I Still Love You. Yes. Which. That's, no. Uh, to All the Boys, Always and Forever, Laura Jean. 
Aw. I will say one thing. I don't know why I just thought of this. That is actually different from the movie to the book. And I think it might be because Noah Centineo is more attractive than the guy who played Josh. Um, The Josh relationship is slightly different in the book. I just vaguely remember in reading it that like, because of course I read it and then rewatched it because I have a life, um, that her relationship with Josh when like the letters go out is slightly handled a little better. It's because I almost, if from what I'm remembering, like Noah's character, oh my God, he has a name, Peter or Kravinsky gets kind of put more into the forefront, like, because he's the romantic lead, where in the book, it's kind of like, they're given a little more like same screen time, which mm. the book. Um, but yeah, I do remember in, in page time, in kind of <laughs> reading it, it was like kind of nice to see that like Josh got like, he was more of a, like, stable... Pre- like. That's what I wanted more. It was more Josh. Yeah. There yes, was a little I wanted more Josh. Josh. Yeah. I would not That's want fair. more random guy from the no. UN or whatever, yeah. but I definitely... <laughs> Camp is more, the other one. Yeah, Camp. That's who the other one is. Model, like, or more Josh, I do think, would have been more balanced because we had to sort of take her word for it yeah. on her relationship with Josh, um, mm-hmm. which I appreciated. I thought that was really... Um, like there's a lot of insight from the author's point of view, because I assume this is straight from the book of like the idea of it's her best friend, but he started dating her sister and mm-hmm. they tried really hard because they're good people and they didn't want to exclude her, but like it just, and then she couldn't, once they broke up, you couldn't, she had to kind of pick her sister and it was like a weird, you know, that I felt I like hyper related to that. Um, and so I like filled in the gaps, but when you actually break it down, it is very little like screen time allotted to mm-hmm. that whole complicated backstory and relationship. And then yeah. Josh does kind of disappear a little bit. Um, I would have preferred. So then, you know, it's just going to be about this couple and not really about the other guys at all. So then I'm like, okay, let's invest in these two. This isn't Mamma Mia. Okay. Mamma Mia. Has I don't a whole like Mamma Mia album. necessarily. So <laughs> I didn't you want Mamma Mia. Then who knows, who's to say that you would have liked if all five dudes ran into this and had like, I don't know, a full cast recording of how they all loved her. That would have been a very, I, very I just wanted something different. And I just felt like I got the same thing then. Like, what is it, what I was expecting. I, mean, I do not think it would have been less conventional if every, all of the guys were madly in love with her and she had to navigate that. That's just, there's something about Mary. Amen. Um, and also well, that is, like, about Mary I don't know if this is like Mary a doesn't care. thing or what, Steve, but like, that is the least relatable premise in the history of the world. The oh, I wasn't looking for relatable. <laughs> yeah, that is. I wasn't looking for relatable. Not relatable, really like relatable, okay. sympathetic, like anything. Like it's just ugh. Like yeah, it's no not... one likes there's something about Mary. Like nobody likes the Mary in it. Right. No. It's just unrealistic. I think the only thing that I didn't love was the the conflict, the conflict, quote unquote. Um, between Margot and Lara Jean when it comes out that Lara Jean liked Josh at one point. I thought that was solved way too quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, as a sibling, as an older <laughs> sibling, if something like that came out, I, I might ponder murder for a few minutes. Um, but it would take me a lot... No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but it would take me a lot longer to be okay and tr- fully trust for a little while after that. Like, it's not something that I just go, oh, yes, I'm done. Everything is fine. 
Question um, though. Yeah. First of all, thank you for clarifying style. that you were kidding about the murder. That's very <laughs> important. I never actually do definitely, that. I love to death. We were definitely really worried for a minute. Um, I, I think we all know that I would kill her with love. Okay. <laughs> Second thing. It, I understood the the quick resolution specifically because she was mad until she until she was reasonably sure that like she believed Lara Jean when she said she never would have done any acted on it because I think as the older sister she was in a position to understand that like Lara Jean feels the way she feels and like you can't you know if somebody likes the person you're with that's actually not in their control what shows incredible respect for her sister and um yeah, just like kindness towards her sister is choosing, no matter how strong her feelings are, even though she knew him first, refusing to act on it is like, she was, is more of a gesture towards her sister than just not having the feelings in the, in the first place. Right. I, I, I think, would, that, I think that's that whole yeah. plot, like that little subplot that is kind of a, an act of love for her sister. I think I would have just liked to see more of that yeah. instead of just having it expected that that's going like it, the way you explained it beautiful you know if we had gotten to see more yeah <laughs> think about um but if we had gotten to see more of that i think i would have believed it slightly more like have a dialogue about it yeah you know, that's true more than just like a well i never would have acted on it okay yes you are forgiven <laughs> we are all good here everything's fine i think if margot had like a uh an internet sort of drama as well like she maybe found out before she came back um and then if that was sort of there at least so then yeah, there, was even more, that's a there was more tension there that's yeah, a total trope that's oh, a pl- sure, body but then you get the little bit of a drama more of the drama of the sisters and then you have the same resolve that happened anyway susan what were you gonna say i was gonna say there were two things that i think happened off screen true um that would have addressed that one is the finding out when the letter was written like the timing of all the writing all letters is super important and we as the audience get the sense that they were all written a long time ago but apparently laura dean doesn't date her letters it's not appropriate (laughs) that's why you write a date at the top of the letter (laughs) for exactly these problems but also that she literally invented a relationship to get out of having to maybe date him like that, like the whole premise right. of the movie is that all she wanted to do was not date him. And that was the piece of information that her sister did not have in the scene in front of the house, but did in the, be- the scene that- between the two of them in the bedroom next. So like yeah. some conversation did happen. We just didn't see it. Yeah, yeah I think like- the last, I don't think what we need is another plot point. I think what we need mm-hmm. is a little bit more communication about the plot points we do have. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. like if they had added five minutes to just show inner cuts of how that conversation went, I think I would f- have found it a little more believable. But because we see a small time jump, but not a not a very great one, it kind of seems like she just goes up to her bedroom after this conversation, sees the video, and then immediately cuts into, we're fine, we're sisters, let me help you with this video issue. If we had you know, seeing what happens in between, uh, you know, the front door scene and when she's in the bedroom going, oh my God, video. I think I would have 
probably believed it a little bit more. I think that goes back to what Brie was talking about of like the movie's focus on Peter. I do, it does feel a little network notey where, or like studio notey where um, I do think that somebody along the line probably gave a screenwriter a note saying, try to focus on the central couple um, and eliminate any of the sort of extra stuff that you get when you have the room of a book um, and make, cause we can, so this would be more focused and streamlined. And I do think we lost a little bit of richness in both the, the, that particular issue with the sister and as it relates to also the Josh stuff mm. is what could be richer. And I think it was like a purposeful streamlining of hyper-focusing in on Peter um, because I do think Bree is right that it, it, the movie wanted to be more uh, Peter centric. I will also say I really liked all the girls' names: Margot, like Laura Jean, Kitty, Kitty, and then we had Genevieve. Like I liked, I just liked that it was different names. That's also true. I feel like oftentimes with, especially with books that become movies although with like writers have a tendency they have like a type of name they like Mm -hmm. and then they end up naming their characters all that kind of name like all the women in one tree hill have boys first boy first names as their last names because the writers think that's cute but like that i like the idea of like all of the names in this reflect a very different type of parent naming system right (laughs) except for the boys yeah, yeah but, that's why I said the girls. Yeah, name. no, I know you said that. Yeah, because I was like, no. Um, with with that one, we went, you know, purely biblical names. <laughs> um, Speaking of biblical names, Matt has just Matt. Us. Um, <laughs> what do you I have will. to say? We're just about wrapping up, but what do you have any strong thoughts and feelings about to all the boys I've loved before? I didn't have time to rewatch it for this, but I did watch it. Like I've watched it within the last six months and I distinctly remember thoroughly enjoying it. I thought it was just heartwarming and sweet and ended on a cliffhanger that made me want more. And I'm happy that I'm getting it. And I'm getting more. Um, that is the correct answer, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but is there division? Amongst- Only just Steve. Oh, <laughs> No, I didn't say I didn't like it, though, so. Did you, though? <laughs> you suggested it didn't have value. Uh, yes, I, I didn't think it was good or, or bad. I, I, I didn't think it was a bad movie. Anyways, I don't need I to repeat was, myself. I thought it was a good, <laughs> sweet movie. And I wish I remembered more exact details. I laughed really hard at the part when the envelope was slid under the door and it said Luke James because one of my best friends is named Luke James. And so that was like, for personal reasons, quite hilarious. I love it. That's what I took. That's like my big memory. Fair enough. Also, (laughs) Steve, I really like doing the rom-com ones with you because I do like (laughs) the difference. You have like, the voice of reason over here and then you have saccharin right here so it's kind of nice to be <laughs> going back and forth so it's important to have steve here for the ones that <laughs> yes. we all like yes yeah. um, hey, we've had a couple where we all hated one and it would it would have been oh, helpful yeah. to have someone who loves it. 
true. Hey, just remember I was on your side for my best friend's wedding. And and I loved Ali's wedding. Okay. Ali's that's wedding also was accurate. Good. If you Which didn't I, like Ali's wedding, you're yeah. doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if you didn't like Ali's wedding, you're, you're not human. <laughs> well, I rewatched Runaway Bride last night for the first time since I think it came out. And I used to love that movie. Oh, and no. it wasn't as good as I remembered. And that upset me. Yeah. Mostly because... Richard Gere's character was a lot more problematic than I remembered. And I just felt so bad for Julia Roberts, the Have entire movie. Have you re-watching this movie because it might make you smile again. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Well, also because this is a recent movie, so it's not aged as badly. Um, Runaway Bride is a tricky one because I feel like we remember it as being part of the Julia Roberts era of rom-coms. And so we loop in our brains. We think it's like Notting Hill and my best friend's wedding caliber, right. but in reality, it's a Gary Marshall movie. Right. Like, oh, but I love Gary Marshall. Do you? I mean, I yes. love like nostalgically. I remember loving his movies, but in practice, <laughs> yeah, he's very good in never been kissed in a supporting acting uh, yes. role. <laughs> um, think, that movie lives he... right next to my heart. I think he makes really like well-made movies. I expected it to have the hallmarks of like really bad like technical components in terms of like really bad telegraphing uh, score and in terms of overall direction and acting and like it as a film, I think the directing holds up. The script is where I think there are issues even though some of my issues that I had with it, he was kind of called out on all of his awful actions, just not as harshly as he should have been. Yeah. Um, what's her name? Tom Hanks's wife really comes to the rescue. Rita? Though, right. Yeah. yeah. Rita Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she fires him within like the first five minutes for <laughs> doing a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, we should add that to the list, even though it's not on Netflix. <laughs> I want to discuss that. We'll discuss to see if everybody has access to it in some way. I did have it's a on quick, Amazon. A quick note for to all the boys, and it's like not plotty or anything, but like one thing that always jumps out at me is the actress for Kitty is the age that Laura Jean is supposed to be, mm, and really? like every yeah, she's supposed to be fifteen. The actress is fifteen, but she's playing an eleven-year-old, um, wow. and. Every time I like now, once I learn that and I watch it, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's weird. These kids, so like the fake dating seems okay when they're 15 year olds played by 21 year olds, and then you like look what a 15 year old looks like, and it's like, Ooh, yeah, I that's all <laughs> YA and and teen yeah. stories for me though. Like if I think about the fact that like the first season of Dawson's Creek, they're or God, the first season of The OC, <laughs> they're yeah. 15, I get queasy, and so like I need them to be in their mid 20s because <laughs> I can't. It just doesn't. It's icky, and especially the older I get, the ickier it gets. Because yeah. I'm like watching the thing, whereas when I was 12, they all seemed like adults, even if they were actually 15. So yeah. like, you want a mature approach to that age, I guess. Like you don't want a, a 15 right. year old playing that age sometimes. Yeah, as an but, actor. Right. I, would I don't assume, know. But I was, they could probably I just, pull it off. These guys were pretty good, I think. To yeah. kind of go off of something Matt mentioned with Runaway Bride, but bring it back to all the boys. I loved the music. I didn't notice the music. What's the music like? Uh, it's It's got like this indie vibe. 
that's a little different, kind of like Lara Jean, which was odd to me in a certain respect because she was very like old school references. So I figured they would but pick something boots. a little older. What now? But, but they're boots. vintage, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> but she got them on Etsy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we're doing like a faux vintage, actually new. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that like, like Instagram aesthetic where like it's vintage, but like yes. for the gram. And I think that that's what the music vibe was too, was like, it's supposed to feel vintage, but it's definitely not vintage. But I, I remember like, sitting there going, this is a pretty song. <laughs> I, was glad, I was glad the music was not comedic music. Yes. Because that would really ruin this film. Because I, I felt like there's some films that like had these like, jovial or like i don't know it just never fit yeah it just like they try and make it a a rom-com and this was like i felt like this wasn't really comedy that much this film it was more of the the light romantic right thing and it wasn't really about trying to make you laugh about the comedy of errors yeah i mean i didn't hear uh the Benny Hill theme once. <laughs> <laughs> and just for the record, no one actually laughs at any sort of comedy of errors. <laughs> Worst play ever. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, she's um, after Vargo. <laughs> I mean, I just know that she's wrong, so I don't need to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I liked this movie more, because there was not so much comedy, and most right. of the comedy and romantic comedy is very embarrassing. Mm. And I don't like the embarrassing parts. Yeah. Well, I would so. say like yeah. young, young adult is like, a, like teen yeah. romance is more, yeah. I mean, it's like a lot of teen romances are like really not comedies though. There's like, what is the one I saw one last year where she's like allergic to the sun um, or like a walk to remember, or I just watched. Oh, is it everything, like it's a everything? lot of, sorry, what? Everything, everything maybe. No, it was uh, the others. It was called, but she's like a musician and she can't go outside during the day. Um, I remember something like this. Yeah, it was heavily advertised. Um, but like the, a lot of teen teen romances are like very serious. So this was like I think technically a rom com, but I think that the the teen element is a, ma- a more of a descriptor towards the like lightness and the tone than the word comedy. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like a, I think it's comedy in the Shakespearean yeah. uh, definition yeah. of comedy, as in it's not a tragedy, so we're a yeah. comedy now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Susan, I have to know, what parts of this movie did you get such bad empathetic embarrassment that you needed to leave the room, please? <laughs> oh, it's the subway product placement, and you were embarrassed on behalf <laughs> of the <laughs> No, the subway was okay. I'm trying to look, because the, or I would like, I would like, I'm going to, to play a game on my phone until I don't feel awkward. <laughs> I'm, trying to rem- I'm trying to remember. There was one point where I was worried I was going to have to turn the movie right off. Like, oh, wow. Maybe- was it the yeah. part when they put up all the photos of her in the hot tub? Because that was very upsetting. Yes. Well, no, that was upsetting, but I, I didn't feel embarrassed for her. I felt angry for her. Mm. Fair. Um, uh, it was probably, it definitely involved the, it definitely involved the friend. The friend, the enemy, former friend. Jen? Oh, Jen. Yeah, like, um, probably the part right after they got off the bus. Mm. I could tell it was not going to go on for long, but I was like, I have to leave right now. Oh, the the part where she's manipulating him and it feels 
he, it doesn't, but like it feels like he's just falling for it completely. Yeah. The scrunchy thing. Yeah. The scr- yeah. yeah. The scrunchy thing. And like the party when I was like, oh, are they going to, are they going to be, is she going to have a terrible time? Cause she's not cool. And she's never been to a party. Like, but it's, it's so like, nice. And he's drinking kombucha. It was, nice. it was so Nobody nice. So that was nice. On. That's so good. It was so yeah. lovely. Yeah. No, that was, it was so good. And I uh, like but, that his friends are kind to her. And yeah. like, it, like if this was a more conventional, especially if this was made in the nineties, yeah. they would have been quite cruel to her. Like I, I, ta- I think about, mm-hmm. um, I walked to remember a lot. Cause that was a major movie for me yes. at the right, at the age when like the target audience for this movie, the age that they are is the age I was when a walk to remember was my everything. Um, and like his friends are horrible people. Yeah, I hated Dean. Horrible. He Dean is Belinda. Is Dean Dean is Clayne Crawford though, right? He's very yes. good on Rectify. I know. Uh, he's a terrible person, but he's really good on Rectify. I know. Rectify. That's my issue. It's like, ooh. Eh. Uh, <laughs> the next time we do a rom com, I will write down what's going on when I want to turn the movie off. Yes, please <laughs> do. I'm time. very interested. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who say this because I'm always trying to get mm-hmm. people to watch rom coms. And I hear yeah. that a lot, the like empathetic embarrassment thing yeah. where it's they the can't. I can't watch horror movies. I get too scared. Oh, yeah, I don't like those. So, what about the scene where he's trying to come up with a new nickname for her? Oh. <laughs> that That is the moment that I was like, ooh. That was cringy. I was like... I don't remember that scene, so it's possible I did leave her. It's possible you did. That's when I was a little embarrassed. I was like, I don't love this. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I would ever be okay with someone calling me that so largy yeah largy Largy. right yes i remember that yeah slash like the look on her face (laughs) during that whole thing shows that she's not okay with it and then she's definitely not okay with being picked up yeah yeah right yes i have definitely been picked up when i don't want to be and i'm like stop every time Yeah, it's it's not great. So Keep your hands to yourself, guys. Keep your hands to yourself. Yes, Bree. <laughs> I have a question for you because you do you spe- you specifically work in the YA department, right? No, so I work technically on all books. Uh, I really literally like YA. yes, and so they shove more YA books at me when they can. Okay. This is not really related to the movie, but it's tangentially related in that it's an adaptation of a YA book. If, and you might not be able to answer this, but <laughs> if you could pick any YA book that has not yet been adapted, what would you pick? That you want to have ad- be adapted is what I was meaning to say in the question. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the YA shelf that I've <laughs> rebuilt. Um, so there's actually, and you may have heard of her, this author called... Marissa Meyer. Um, she basically wrote a YA series called the Lunar Chronicles, and people have like comped it, compared it to, excuse me for the lingo, um, like Sailor Moon meets, mm. uh, uh, oh my god, fairy tales. So essentially, and I have some problems with it because she's a white author writing, like the first character is very heavily uh, Chinese inspired which I have problems with, but like overall the very first story is called Cinder. Yes. It's about um, a Cinderella character. Her name is Cinder Lynn L I H N. Um, and she had, she's half cyborg 
and she lives with her terrible step-parents, or stepmother, <laughs> excuse me, um, in the t- traditional Cinderella story, um, except the prince from the nearby uh, kingdom stops by because he needs something fixed. And of course they fall in love, but then you realize that there's a significantly bigger plot happening in which uh, his stepmother, I think, maybe? I think it's his stepmother, who is significant, like, she's around their age because his dad was creepy, um, is actively <laughs> plotting to, like, take over not only this Earth-like colony, as what, but, like, also the rest of kind of the universe and so like the first book is like cinder and then you have scarlet with like little red riding hood crest Mm. with um rapunzel and then winter is like the snow white um and it's really interesting because every single character has like really fascinating backstories and it's like enough sci-fi fantasy to appeal to those people enough like romantic romantic kind of stuff to appeal those people would it be a good movie? God, no. It wouldn't have. A, it would be too much shoved into it to be a movie. So I don't know if I just completely didn't answer your question. Um, but it would be an interesting series, at least. Yes. Um, and I don't know. That's probably the one I really like. And then there's another series called the uh, Aurora Rising, and the authors have called it. What was it? Um, if they are older like them. The Breakfast Club meets Starfleet. And then I don't actually remember what they comped it to to my, or technically the teens age tier. Um, But it's essentially (laughs) a group of ragtag misfits having to like go around and like save the galaxy. And they're like the least likely group of people to have actually wanted to do it. Um, So in terms of like, is there really interesting like YA stuff out there? Yeah, there's a ton. are they kind of grabbing a lot of the easier contemporary stuff because doing a series based on something like that would be almost too massive? Probably. But on the other hand, Netflix is doing the Grisha trilogy by Lee Bardugo. Um, I will personally argue I hated that trilogy. Sorry, Lee, you're a lovely woman. We've met, I'm sure you don't remember. Um, But it does lead into the Six of Crows duology, which is significantly better. So, um, but it does show that like Netflix is kind of interested in doing these um, more like sci-fi fantasy series and considering they're making it a series and not a movie. um, And like, she brings in a large enough audience that like, if that performs well, they'll probably start going into like more of um, publishing houses backlists and seeing like other interesting stuff. I gotta um, tell you, I so kind of going off of that, I hope that's the case. So you probably know this series, this trilogy. Most people do not. Um, it's like, it's called the Water Trilogy. Um, I can't even remember who the author is. Um, basically, it's about a colony of mermaids. Um, and there is a larger story to it. So they have kind of like a, like a tri-wizard tournament, but under the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, All under the sea, because part of the tri-wizard <laughs> tournament was this. <laughs> yeah, the second one. Okay. Whoa, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> the lake? It was at me. Hard. <laughs> you are not an inac- Well, technically it was in a lake. So what up? <laughs> Um, Which must have been the worst one to watch, I'm sorry to say. I know. <laughs> I know, you were just waiting for someone to emerge out of the lake. 
Um, so like, I don't want to give too, too much away, but it also ends up transforming into a story of old, um, that many of us are probably familiar with. Uh, is it so little mermaid? It is not little mermaid at all. Ooh. It's much, much older than little mermaid. Um, Ooh. think like centuries older <laughs> and, um, it's it's a very interesting take on it and i love that it's got this fantasy aspect to this old it's king arthur oh, okay. uh, my God. <laughs> yeah. i'm not gonna tell you how it becomes like king arthur but it's king arthur okay. <laughs> <laughs> which if you know me i'm an arthur nerd um so i would love to see that if they could do it well i mean i remember loving it i just want them to finally make eleanor and park why are we waiting still waiting on eleanor and park I will say it's one of the things that kind of has always bothered me since I <laughs> worked both in Hollywood and now as I work in publishing is that like you, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> literally there will be books that we get launched. Uh, they'll tell us about the book that, for example, they're launching summer 2021 now. So it's mm-hmm. like, they're telling us as marketers, like what we need to kind of know about it. Um, right. And as it is bought, they're like, it will already have a Netflix series. We're just waiting for the date. And so it's kind of Jeez. like, yeah, it's, it's both like, that's great. Like, I'd love to see this as a Netflix series. I'd love to have this kind of have further appeal and it is easier for us to market it. But at the same time, like, there's so few, like, as much as I want to see everything I love in book form being made as a TV or movie, there's so few original ideas that are kind of generating in Hollywood. They're just kind of grabbing anything book-wise. So in all seriousness, Eleanor and Park will eventually be made. Then Fangirl, then I'm assuming actually Carry On would be first. Um, and these are all by Rainbow Rowell for anyone who doesn't know, just because I think that's her biggest one. Um, so they'll probably do carry on the sequel and then they'll kind of go into our backlist. But yeah, like, honestly, I half expect every single book that we ever publish. They'll be like, well, eventually we need something and they'll just keep grabbing stuff. Well, yeah. they just start, I think they just came out with the trailer, I think, of a YA series I was really into when I was in my mid-teens called Uglies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw that they made the trailer. I was like, ooh, please do this right. Because <laughs> uh, I read and reread and reread um, Uglies, Pretties, Specials, and Diego a lot. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. Diego? <laughs> yeah. Um, which is like the, it was supposed to just be Uglies, Pretties, and Specials. And then they were kind of like, we really like this series. So Scott Westerfield was kind of just throwing breadcrumbs. Like, here you go, all you vicious, vicious fans. This has absolutely nothing to do with the first three books uh, characters. It has only things to do with this brand new world over here. But I love it so much. I'm like, y'all, please. I will also say, sorry, really quickly, streaming services are now actually grabbing old movies made from books that didn't do well, or made from previous stuff that didn't do well. See Avatar The Last Airbender. They're making a new live action series. See um, Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson. Disney Plus is making a new series. So, like, who knows? If something is made and you don't like it because they're not making anything new, they'll just fix it in, like, 20 years. (laughs) Just wait. (laughs) 
Oh, wait. And I heard so, HBO's doing another Lord of the Rings. Oh, God, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> it's a prequel, though. It's a prequel to there, Lord of the Rings. Isn't that called The Hobbit? Is it a prequel to The Hobbit? No, or it's... Is it in between? I think so. I can't remember. I mean, there's a whole... No, there's, like, four, three other ages before yeah. Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, so... Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. Not of really have written about, but... This is a lot to take in. Okay. Does anybody have any closing thoughts on the movie we're actually talking about, which is To All the Boys I've Loved Before? You mean that we, thing we briefly mentioned for half an hour and then moved on to different <laughs> topics? Hey, we were talking about the larger world of YA adaptations. It was true. relevant. Read the true. book and then the rocks the second movie. Yeah. I'm about to. Sounds good. Okay. I'm Let's about to do it in the three. reverse order. Cool. Bye, guys. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>